0: Hello, everyone. Uh, We'd like to welcome you to uh, another episode of um, this fabulous interview with our dear brother, Dr. Jay Smith. And uh, we've already began uh, the last couple of episodes to talk about some of the problems with the Quran. And today we are going to start basically uh, doing a more of a critical analysis of different areas of the Quran. First one we are going to address right now would be the two compilations of the Quran. Dr. Jay, welcome again.
1: Well, good to be here again. Thanks so much. And uh, we've gone through introducing the six areas we were going to uh, be critical. Let's look at the two compilations, which we now have on the screen there. Now remember, uh, this is they claim it's a, an eternal book, uh, that it was complete by 632, the first recension, and then it was uh, another compilation that comes that's after right. that, and that's what we want to question in this episode. That's so, right. how do we know this? Well, let's go back uh, to the material that all Muslims are dependent on to understand how the Quran was put together. They need to go back to Al-Bukhari. Who is Al-Bukhari?
0: Al-Bukhari, of course, is one of the uh, you know renowned collectors of Hadith, and he's the first one to take all of the sayings of Muhammad. So he's the earliest speech. compiler that's
1: right. of that's right. the Hadith, the sayings of the Prophet. That's right. Now there are nine volumes in his collection today. We need to go back to volume number six, and we need to go back to Hadith number 509 and 510. So let's look at volume six, starting with Hadith number 509 that we have up on the screen there. And we have it both in Arabic and in English, so you can see it side by side. And then on the left, we're just gonna summarize what they're saying, because it'll take us too much time to unpack all of it. The first one, 509. Abdul, Abdul says that between six twenty thirty two and 634, that means right after Muhammad's death, correct. you had the Caliph Abu Bakr uh, realize that the text had uh, was not written down, and Buhari admits uh, that since many who memorize it had died, therefore a large part of the Quran may be lost. So that's already there in the text. A large part of the Quran may be lost. That's correct. Really, two years after Muhammad's death.
0: Yeah.
1: So th- you can see that there is a question here well, how, do, how much of it was is a large part? Zayed Ibn Thabi, now this is the Secretary of Muhammad. Uh, he, when he was given this responsibility to do it, he thought it was much too difficult to do so. Yeah, and the reason why um, is because uh, he feels a huge burden, and here's
0: what he says. And I'm going to say it in Arabic for so. كيف شيء فعله رسول الله? meaning Why do you do, want to do something that the Prophet himself didn't do?
1: Absolutely, yeah. it just rolls out of your mouth. It's amazing <laughs> when you say it. I love to listen to that. But certainly, you can see that he is saying, "Listen, even our Prophet couldn't do this, and you're asking me to do it." That's right. So you can see there is some question as to what's the wisdom in this. We move on, and Zaid Ibn Thabit again. He finally agrees to do so. And so, what does he do? He looks. He to find verses that are collected on palm stalks, on stones, and the memories of the surviving warriors. In, case, in one case, he only found it with one person, and that's chapter 9, verse 128 and 129, the vast two verses of chapter 9. So it's fascinating that he had to look at these places to find it. It's not written down. Obviously, it's therefore not written down. And when Muslims try to come back and say, yes, it was written down in time of Muhammad, they need to look and ask, look, even your own sources are very clear. It was not written down. That's correct. And it would be a problem for Zayed Ibn Thabit because even the Prophet had not done this. Not only that, but Omar admits that
0: the idea of Preserving it in memory is not really a valid idea
1: because he was afraid that they're gonna lose the Quran. Obviously, so right there when Muslims and they, they do come back to say, we don't care. It doesn't need to be written down. It was memorized. Not according to Abu Bakr and not according to Umar. They realized that this had to be written down. That's right. Because what happens to one's memory? It fades
0: away, and uh, once you transmit something after a while, after a period of time, things begin to change. Some details are not uh, the same anymore.
1: Absolutely. Now, even what we're saying today, if we were to, of all the people who are watching this video, and if they were to go back and try to just, we've only taken five minutes, just what we've said in the first five minutes, if we were to ask the people who were listening to it to write down what we have just said, you can imagine there would be as many people that wrote it down, there would be that many different renditions. That's right. 50 people write it down, you get 50 different renditions of what we've said. That's the problem with memory. Memory, you only pick and choose what you remember. Uh, we, I, I, there's this great, there, there's this great um, uh, kids game that you, we play in birthday parties called Chinese Whispers. When you tell one person something, they tell the next and the next and the next. Right. By the time it gets to the 15th or 16th person, what you start with and what you end with are two different things. It's a great game. And that can happen within a period of 10 minutes. Can you imagine what would happen in this case over years that you, in this case, you can see, we're going to talk about twenty years. It would change immensely. So they had to write it down. It's obvious they needed to write it down. That's correct. Now, you have uh, the first compilation. This is the first recension. Was first given to Abu Bakr, and then it was given to Umar, who is the second caliph, and then it was given to his daughter, who is Hafsa. She used to be one of the wives, one of the twelve wives of Muhammad. That's correct. Now that was retained then uh, for about the first twenty years. That's hadith number five of nine. Now we sc- skip to. F- Hadith number 510. Let's look at the slide there. In the 510 now, we've now jumped 20 years because now we're at the time of Uthman. Abu Bakr has died. Umar was killed. Uthman now is now the caliph and uh, he became the caliph in 646. You know, we're roughly now 650, 652. So we're about five years to seven years into his reign. You have a second problem. And it says right there that Hudaytha comes to him and he's afraid that the people in Syria and Iraq uh, would have different recitations of the Quran. So he's asking Uthman uh, to have the Quran written down a second time to rewrite the Quran using Hafsa's first compilation, that first compilation that was given to Hafsa. That's correct. Now, do you see a problem with that?
0: Absolutely. I tell you what's the problem is he, obviously, Uthman, didn't trust the first copy that was made. He realized there are more copies that are circling around and he... Okay,
1: right there, more copies. Yeah, needed to centralize that. Already there's an admission that there are different Qurans. That's correct. This is an admission, huge admission. Why don't Muslims pick this up? because uh, they only emotionally want to hear what they want to hear. This is their material. We're not making this up. And you can see we've kept the Arabic there. We've kept the English literal translation, and we're just summarizing what is already there. On That's the right. right side of the screen, we're summarizing on the left. That's correct. So you've got some problems here. This is already admission that there were maybe different Qurans. In Syria and Iraq, there are different Qurans That's correct. So at the very center of Islam, you're getting different manuscripts, different codices, re- re- admission of that. So Uthman orders four compilers, Zaidim, Thabit, Zubair, Alas, and Hisham to rewrite the text. Why do you need to rewrite the text? If you've got it right there and how's this copy?
0: And in fact he asked him to bring that as one of those copies they want to review but they ended up rewriting it and as you know, Uthman decided on a certain dialect. Now here's the central question. I thought there were seven different readings of the Quran. Why would Uthman settle on one? Why not seven different reading copies? Okay, now let's
1: back that up. Hold on a minute. Say that again. There were seven different akhruf or kiryat.
0: That's what the Islamic tradition is based on a hadith that was written 200 plus years after the time of Muhammad. If that was true, why did Uthman decide on one dialect only? Uh Aha, and what
1: about the other six? Supposedly he burned them. Okay, second, we're gonna, we haven't got to that yet. Hold on, you've jumped the gun on me on this one. But before we even get into that, let me ask you as an Arabist, this is your scholar, you're the Arabist, you're the uh, you know what a dialectic difference is. How do you find dialectic difference in a consonantal text?
0: Well, you only find it when you have diacritical markings. And diacritical markings are what? Those are the markations you put above or
1: below letters to help you vocalize and pronounce words. You said that on a previous episode. That's right. In a future episode, we're going to actually show you. We're going to show you on slides what happens when you put the different dots in. That's right. So you have to have diacritical marks to separate the letters, one from the other, to know which letter you're looking at. That's correct. You can have just a little shape like this, a little bowl shape, a smiley face. One dot dot. Is a na two dot is a ta three dot is a tha, one dot below is a ba two dots is ya na ta tha, ba ya that's five different letters that's right. from de- depending on where you put the dots but the only problem is
0: Uthman didn't even use that oh wait a minute I th- so there were no dots nothing at you this can, time you can look at the copies at least the early Quranic copies that would date to uh, before or after Uthman, and dire, they still don't have it. marks didn't exist in the 7th century. They did not. It took about 100 to 150 <laughs> years so for the system to be developed. Is what is Uthman saying here? He, this doesn't make sense. Exactly. He's going just by the oral way of saying it.
1: That's I'm going all. to even dispute that. he he's he's not even saying this.
0: Well that's at least what the hadith will insinuate as if it was When was the hadith written? All. When was this written? 200 particular? years after
1: 240 years that's right, the To the exact yeah. the date uh, we're talking about the, the the date we're looking at uh, is 870. Muhammad died in 632. That's right. So you're talking about 240 years later. 870 is when Bukhari died. So just before he died he's writing this. Now, by the time 870 comes into play, we're talking about the late 9th century, where are their diacritical marks? Uh, right now, they are uh, 870 to be available. Uh, yes. They were all there. Yes. By 870, yes, Buhari knows what he's talking about. But he's talking about his day. That's correct. This is a problem that would have existed in his day, these dialectic differences. So he is, basically, he's redacting on what he thinks is, must have been happening. He's redacting it back to the 7th century. He didn't know his own history. Primarily because he didn't look at the earliest manuscripts like we are able to do today, so you can see immediately this is a ninth-century problem redacted onto a seventh-century environment. That's correct. And Muslims, you need to hear this because you hear this argument from Muslims all the time. Oh no, these were seven ahruf. That by by definition ahruf you have to have diacritical marks to show the different ahruf. That's correct. So in a consonantal text which has no dots, has no vowelization, no dhamma, no kasar, no fatah, those had not been invented yet in the mid-7th century, none of this makes sense. Absolutely.
0: Oh, that's, I love this. That's a good point.
1: Now we need to make sure that we underline this, and I hope Muslims, especially, are listening to this because these are the claims your leaders make. These are the claims your uh, your pundits make, and yet they don't make sense historically. We're doing historical critiques here. Let's move on. So, therefore, he has these four rewrite it in, te- in a dialect that didn't even exist, at least not in a written form. That's you could right. have had a dialectic in orally, yes, there was a dialectic difference, but not in a written text. Oh, I love that. So we get down to Uthman, then sends a copy to, of, of this finalized Quran that is different than all the other ones. He sends a copy to nine cities, and we've got the cities listed up there. Basra, Baghdad, Damascus, Jerusalem, Cairo, Alexandria, Aden, Herat, and Nishapur. Those are the nine cities. We know, how do we know that? Because there were to every province, it says in the text. That's correct, yeah. We know there were nine provinces. So one copy of this finalized, canonized Quran, perfect Quran, were sent to nine cities with every copy went a reader. And I want to add this.
0: The fact that there were no diacritical markings back then in the days of Uthman. So one will say... The only concern Uthman has is the rasm that he used, which is the... Now you said Arabic sh-
1: word there. Define yeah, what you which mean. Which is
0: the shape of the words and the letters. Whatever words he used, he was disagreeing with other copies that have different words and now we have the Sana'a manuscript to even prove
1: things like this. Okay, we're going to get to that. You're now really jumping ahead because I can see you're wit- you're getting at the bit. You want to get ahead. You want to get to the conclusion. But we still need to lay a foundation. We need to say, lay a base for what's happening That's here. Correct. So he sent to nine different provinces. Those are the nine. Where are they? Ooh, million-dollar question. Let me this think like a Muslim in the room.
0: A Muslim is going to come back and tell you, oh, it's in Samarkand. It's in copy. Okay. Please do,
1: and I hope you Muslims who are listening, you do come back on us, because that's going to be the next episode. We're going to go into those that do exist, but no, Absolutely. no, we're looking for nine. We're not looking for four anymore, that's like we correct. always thought. We're looking for nine. All right, now, uh, continue, it continues on with Al-Buhari, uh, volume 6, five ten. Now, once he sends the copies of this second compilation, a second rendition, a second different Quran, otherwise, why would you need to rewrite it? Obviously, it's different than the first one. That's correct. So a second compilation, a second Quran, written 20 years after Muhammad's death. Muhammad wasn't even there to see whether it was the same. He's been dead for 20 years. He then orders that all the Quranic materials, either fragmentary manuscripts or whole manuscripts, be burnt. Ooh, help me here. Come on, Al.
0: That's another proof that he did not like the way the others were written because there are different words that were there than the copy he made.
1: Only, the only reason you would ever burn anything is to destroy the evidence. That's correct. And what evidence would you want to destroy? Anything disagrees with your final copy. This is his final copy. He wants his name to go to it, and it is, even today. They call it the Uthman recension. That's correct. He wants his, this to be his final copy and he wants to destroy anything else that doesn't agree with it, Absolutely. proving that this has nothing to do with Muhammad. Muhammad wasn't there. This has nothing to do with God. And and the question is, who authorized Uthman in the first place to do something like this? And how do we know that Uthman's copy, uh, created 20 years later by these four individuals, is anything like the one that's in heaven? That's correct. Why didn't Uthman, for instance, use the Hafsa copy, which was Uh, even
0: written closer to the time of Muhammad? Million dollar question. I would like to know what they did to Hafsa's
1: copy. What happened to it? Most likely, it was destroyed as well. Oh, dear. It just gets worse and worse as we go along. Now, you don't destroy copies unless you want to destroy the evidence. Wouldn't it be great if we had everything that was burned to look at? Wouldn't it have been great if they would preserved those burn items so we could at least put it together and forensically try to find what was different in any of them? And, you
0: know, Dr. J, here is what I wonder about. Why do Muslims get upset when the Quran is burned today when, in fact, their kale of burned Qurans?
1: At the very beginning. They exactly. need to look at that. And we're, everything we're saying right now is from Al-Buhari, it's right Volume here.
0: 6. It's right here. Hadi, ladies and gentlemen, and look at it. We're we not have making it this on the
1: screen. There you go. Now let's move on. So here are the questions I have. Question number one, and we can go on the screen. Let's take a look at them. Why did God, first of all, use a language which could not accommodate the Quran? You have okay. already told me. Absolutely. That the 7th that the century Arabic script only used razm. Correct. He already had other languages, God had already used Hebrew and Greek with the Old Testament and the New Testament. There were lots of languages that were quite sophisticated, could have easily accommodated it. Why did not God use those languages to begin with?
0: Because the Arabic is limited to a small area, geographical area, and a small group of people. So how can the Quran be a message for all people?
1: Not only that, we know that the Arabic is a very new language. Uh, We don't have any reference to Arabic prior to the second century AD. And we know that it's derived out of the Nabataean script. The Nabataeans, as we're gonna find out later on, were very significant in what we know as Islam today. But that's for another video at another time. Nonetheless, we do know that it was crude. It was so crude, it could not even, you could not even understand it that early. Now, in God's wisdom, I don't understand why he would have chosen this language. Secondly, why did he choose a man who could not read or write? And that's another puzzling question because
0: the first revelation, as we mentioned earlier, uh, that he received says, read. What does that mean? Akra. If he doesn't know how to read, why would God even start his revelation to this man? That's the first thing Gabriel said to him when he hit a
1: cave. Akra. And what was his response? I do not know what to read. Ma akra. I cannot read. Well, that should have told Gabriel, that, okay, you got the you wrong guy he here, says, you know? go somewhere else. Obviously, this guy cannot, cannot be the arbiter for the greatest revelation for the uh, in the history of mankind. If he cannot read, and that was his one goal, that was his one mission, why in the world did Gabriel still stay there with him and say it three times? Three times, that's squeezing correct. him after each time, yeah, according correct. to the tradition again. That's correct. By that time, it should have been pretty clear that you've got the wrong man. Go get a guy who can read, a guy who can write. And because that is what his only responsibility is, to write this revelation down, to pr- preserve it. Now, that was his only remit. Secondly, even if he, they still said, okay, we'll give him some more time. You know, of course, he can't read. Why didn't he learn to read? He had 22 years. And uh, that was his language. It's not like something new anyway. Listen, when I learned Arabic in London, it took me two weeks to learn the Arabic script, to read and write it. Not to I didn't know what I was reading or writing. I didn't know Arabic. Muhammad did know Arabic. That's right. If it, can, uh, if it only took me two weeks to read and write the Arabic script, why in 20 years, 22 years, could he not do so? That's another puzzling question, of course. And then hold on a minute. Didn't he have a scribe? He did. Didn't he have Zaid ibn Thabit? At least more than once, but Zaid was one of them. What do scribes do? What's their remit? What's their one responsibility a secretary is supposed to do? To write. That's right. So why would, didn't he give him the other authority or the responsibility to write it down? The whole time he was with them, wouldn't it be something that he should have done? Wouldn't that be something that it should have been preserved?
0: That's correct. So and when we do have two, like Oba'i and, uh, and uh, um,
1: Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, they both took it upon themselves to write their own. There no you go. one told them. There you go. And then why didn't Abu Bakr make copies immediately of that which he wrote down? That's why correct. did he just give it to one copy and give it to one woman? Shouldn't there have been many copies made like Uthman made nine copies? Where are the copies that Abu Bakr made? That's rather irresponsible of him.
0: And obviously he let basically uh, this idea continue because many took upon themselves to keep writing and writing and writing. And we have later uh, many different Qurans of course.
1: And then we brought this already up. Uh, this is the third set of questions and that is how could there be dialectical differences in the seventh century these these dialects, by definition, require diacritical marks, they require vowelization. Uh, that was not introduced until the 8th century. They were not finalized until the 9th century. Uh, and that's, you can see why uh, al buhari would have known about them, but not, certainly not the time of the 7th century or the 8th century. Because he was century.
0: reading backward from his days. That's
1: right. He's redacting it back, that view. And then, of course, as we already mentioned, why in the world would you burn something that was God's holy word, God's eternal word, the greatest revelation in the history of mankind, unless, of course, there was discrepancies. Amen. Well,
0: now, Dr. J, this is great material. Is there anything else we wanna to add to this before maybe we wrap it up so we can come back again with another topic
1: in our list? Well, I wanna look, before we finish the compilations, I wanna look at what the traditions say, because the traditions also go into this. They make some troubling, they give us some troubling views. This is the Islamic tradition, that's the Sira of the Prophet Muhammad. That means the Siratu Rasulullah, which would be the biography of the Prophet Muhammad. That's first written by Ibn Hisham and and Al-Waqiri. Then you have the Hadith that we've already referred to by Al-Buhari, Sahih Muslim, Ibn Daw, Tirmid, and the others. And then you have the Tafsir first compiled by Al-Tabari in 923. That's right. Uh, and then those, those are the exegesis of it. And then you have the takh, uh the, the um, t- history, Tariq. History, Tariq. So you have the Sirah, yes. Hadith, Tafsir and Taqi, those four genres, that's the known as the Islamic traditions. That's right. So let's look and unpack and see what they say concerning how the Quran was compiled. Because what you're going to find is pretty disturbing, or in our case, pretty exciting. Let's start with them and let's put them up on the screen. There's yes. Al-Buhari, Al-Hajjaj, Ibn Daud, Al-Tirmidhi, Al-Nasai, Ibn Majah, and then some would put a seventh one, Uh yeah, Ibn, Ibn, Ibn Mal- Malik. Malik. Okay, yeah. so those are really the six to seven authoritative hadith compilers. And what? look and see what they say. So the first one by Ibn Daud, what does he say? He's saying many of the passages
0: of the Quran uh, that were sent down were known by those who died on the day of Yamama. He's talking about that that battle. And they were not known by those who survived them,
1: which means they were lost. So many were not known. So we did lose quite a few. So this is a huge admission. That's right. Nor were they written down, nor had Abu Bakr, Umar, or Uthman collected the Quran, nor were they found with even one person after them. That's a huge admission right there by That's Ibn right. Dawud. So he's already saying that good bit, a lot of it was lost. And here's another one about disappeared. Go ahead and read that one. This is uh, by, by Sayuti. Sayuti.
0: Yeah, let's come Quran. He's one of the renowned uh, tafsir, basically scholars. It is reported, he says, from Ishmael Ibn Ibrahim, from Ayyub, from uh, Nafi' uh, from Ibn Umar. And then he goes on to say, Let none of you say, that's Ibn Omar saying this. The son of the Caliph Omar is saying this. Let none of you say, I have acquired the whole of the Quran, he says. How does he know what all of it is when much of the Quran has
1: disappeared? Oh, dear. This
0: is the son of the Caliph <laughs> who lived with, at the time of
1: Muhammad. Rather, let him say, I have acquired what has survived. Why is it Muslims aren't reading this? I, I find it that uh, amusing to me
0: because the early Muslims were really transparent and they were not thinking about the Quran as
1: a rigid text. They never make the claims Muslims today are That's making. Right. So it's obvious you need to go back. We're just reading their traditions. Let's go on to another one. Here are some verses were forgotten.
0: And this one has to do with the uh, basically memorization of course what we used uh, to recite a surah which resembles in length and severity to Surat uh, Bara, uh, which is the uh, chapter 9. I have, however, he said, forgotten it, with the exception.
1: And then he goes on and says what the exception is exactly. So here he's admitting that he has forgotten it. That's right. And here we have some verses were canceled against Sahih Bukhari. Now hold on, Sahih Bukhari is the most authoritative. Because sahih means perfect. So this is the greatest of all the Hadith compilers. What is he saying?
0: And here's what Bukhari is saying. He said, we. Uh, he's reporting here. Someone saying, we used to read a verse uh, of the Quran revealed in their connection, but later the verse was canceled. It was conveyed to our people on our behalf, the
1: information that we have met uh, our Lord. And canceled. Al-Buhari is admitting that parts of it have been canceled. And this verse doesn't exist. <laughs> now let's continue with Al-Buhari because he said that some verses were missing. And this is the great verse on Rajam. Go ahead and read this.
0: I mean, basically, we know that the stoning verse doesn't exist in the Quran, yet stoning is practiced under Sharia law.
1: So it's referring to Surah 24, Ayah 2. In Chapter 24, Verse 2, it says 100 lashes. But here you have... Umar, who is really upset because he says, we used to stone, the Prophet used to stone after us, but I'm afraid that when they read the Quran today, they won't find that verse there. That's right. He's admitting that that verse has been taken out. And this is one of Muhammad's closest companions who became the second caliph. There you go. Huge admission here. Let's continue on. So, overlooked. This is Ibn Abi Dawid again. What does he say? Uh, ibn Abi
0: saying, Huzaimah ibn Thabit says, I see you have overlooked, notice, overlooked two verses and have not written them. They they said, said, and they
1: began to report it. So you can read that for yourself. So there you have him saying that they have been overlooked. And now we come back to to Imam Malik, the the seventh uh, major of the compilers, uh, concerning Aisha. This is the wife of Muhammad. What does he say about Aisha? Uh,
0: Here's what he's saying. It's saying, Abu uh, Unas freed man of Aisha. Basically, he was like basically a slave. Uh, Mother of the believers reported, Aisha ordered me to transcribe the holy Quran and ask me to let her know when I should arrive at the verse Havadu uh, 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 salat al-asr basically it's talking about the uh, third, chapter 2 verse third 238 prayer. yeah yeah, was Salati, uh, and uh, he was talking about chapter 2, verse two to 38, and he says, when I arrived at that verse, basically, I informed her, and she ordered, write it
1: in this way. So here she is telling him to write it a different way than That's he correct. has memorized it. So here is a woman, wife of the prophet, who is actually correcting and changing the Quran. I didn't know women could change the Quran, did you? Well, but there uh, it is, Imam Malik refers to that reference. If you
0: ask my Muslim friends, uh, why did Muhammad marry Aisha when she was young? They say, oh, it was by God's grace and wisdom so that she can learn from the Prophet. Well, there you have it. There
1: <laughs> this is this a, is, a, and uh, now she's changing what the Prophet had right. said earlier, if yeah. that had happened. Now, yeah. we come to another one that was modified, and this is by uh, the Hadith Ibn Abi What What does he say? He's saying, um,
0: altogether, al-Hajjaj ibn Yusuf, that's
1: another now prominent this, now, name, by Abba, the way. He is the, he is, uh, the governor of Kufa that's under right. Abd al-Malik. That's right. He lived in there. So and we're he, talking late He even late made modifications century, and redactions of the Quran century. himself. Okay, what is it yeah. and what happened?
0: He's saying he made 11 modifications in the reading of the Othmanic text. Ooh, to, 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 to. He
1: changed the Uthmanic text. 11 times. So he, that's an enormous con- uh, admission right there. That's right. Now we get to verse, some verses were substituted. Sahih Bukhari again.
0: And here it's saying, but Allah says, none of our revelations do we abrogate or cause to be forgotten, but we substitute something better or similar.
1: Now that's in chapter 2, verse 106. That's so right? that's in the Quran itself. Exactly. You can also find in 16, ayah 101. That's They're correct. The exact same thing. So two references to changing the verse or substituting a verse. Uh, now we end with this one for, by Sunan ibn Majan. What does he talk about?
0: eating it. that's an embarrassing one, of course, and it says, it was narrated that Aisha, once again, said, the verse of stoning and of breastfeeding an adult ten times was revealed, and the paper was with me under my pillow. When the messenger of Allah died, we were preoccupied with his death, and a tame sheep
1: came and ate it. (laughs) And ate it, okay. Now, just a review. Lost, disappeared, forgotten, cancelled, Missing, overlooked, changed, modified, substituted, eaten by sheep. Now tell me, Al-Fari, does this sound like a book which was compiled perfectly and completely?
0: It's very obvious that that's not the case. And it's very obvious that the early Muslims in those days did not even look at it as something rigid that you have to fight over.
1: And in every case, these are intentional changes by humans. Absolutely, and this is what we're trying to prove all these episodes We're trying to show that this book does not come from heaven. It does not come from Muhammad It doesn't even come from Uthman These are later changes and some of these are changes before Uthman some come after Uthman But you can see we're talking about human intentional changes
0: Absolutely, and as you can see I mean these changes were done after the death of Muhammad It wasn't even during his life. It was done later. So who's the author of the Quran in this case? don't tell me Muhammad reported a message from heaven because we know already it's Uthman, it's Aisha, and it's many others who authored parts of the Quran and changed it.
1: And even a sheep.
0: That's right. Well, I hope um, uh, if you're watching uh, you've enjoyed this show and please uh, continue to basically follow uh, this series because we will be publishing these videos one by one and we'll continue to talk about the different problems of the Quran among many other topics that we will be doing with our dear brother Uh, Dr. J. Until we meet again, have a blessed day. Thanks for watching. Make sure to like and subscribe so that you don't miss future videos. And please consider becoming a patron on patreon.com forward slash Sierra International.